All I know is that to me, you look like you're ranking songs. Open up your podcast, Beatles, here I come. Yeah, I'm ranking Beatles right, right. That's terrible. That's the best <laughs> that's, I got, though. I'm sorry. Close. I'm sorry. That's, pretty good. That's, good. <laughs> that's the best I've got today. I'll accept it. You're Thank a little you. rusty. You rank all the records, baby. <laughs> yes. Rank them right yes. now. Yes. Yes, the assist. Thank you. Uh, that's what I'm here for, baby. Oh, I appreciate it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, this is Jonathan. Uh, over here to my right today, Julia. We are, of course, your hosts of Ranking the Beatles. We are super excited uh, to be back today. I uh, hope everyone is doing well. But, um, friends, super, super happy to have a good friend of ours here. I believe uh, today she joins the Three Timers Club. Yes. Here at Ranking the I'm Beatles. I'm so excited. That is rarefied air. Is that is it really? rare air. Like, I've... not a ton. <laughs> Whose company do I share? Uh, let's see. Um, Sean Nelson has okay. been on three. Um, Kyle, Kyle. Melanson. Oh, okay. who goes with that saying? I think uh, has Dave Pomelo been on three? Maybe, maybe two. I can't remember. Oh, I think two. Did I beat I think, Dave Pomelo? I think you might have beat, beat, beat him. Yeah, I think you beat Andre too. No. Yeah, I think Andre's only done two. Oh, he did the drummer round table. Mm-hmm. Good and heavens! I think there was another. I just can't remember. The brain is foggy these days. Yeah, it no, is. there's so much brain fog. Yeah, I think it's, I, I think that's what they're counting on. Right. <laughs> yeah. They're fogging our brains intentionally <laughs> so we can't it. see out through the windows anymore. Right. Well, well, welcome back, Debbie. How are you? How is life? How is I'm well. How is the world? Oh boy, that's the the world or life or your eye because those are three really <laughs> different compartmentalized. Yeah. Totally different question. For sure. Yeah. The, yeah. the world is complete and utter chaos. It's total shit. Don't go out there. It's a trick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Especially 51% of you. Just <laughs> stay put. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's Sorry. Not good for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just getting tough. Yeah. It's getting tough. Oof. Uh, things are good with me. I, uh, I, I, I bought a home. About a house, and now I am the living... American dream. Oh, yeah, <laughs> don't, don't grow up, kids. Right? It's a trick. Uh, and now I'm living in a house that is basically just a shell for a labyrinthian torture chamber of cardboard boxes. <laughs> but I'm very, very happy. Kudos on labyrinthian. Yeah. Thank that, you. As an English major, that's fucking impressive. Yeah, well, I've never used that verb. Really? No. Oh yeah. I kind of hate labyrinths in general. <laughs> Except the one with David Bowie and that the one, That's the only good one. I, I don't mean, even like the game very much. Yeah. No. <laughs> but, that's you know, I have because to, there was no David Bowie in a codpiece. That's piece. true. That's true. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to ruin your day, but as a child, I hated that movie. You told me about that. Yeah. I like have, I hate all of Muppets, the. the Muppets? Because some of them are really creepy. Mm-hmm. It's like all of the childhood movies from, okay, I shouldn't say childhood movies. Movies that came out when I was a child. Mm-hmm where people got separated from their families oh. i hate them all yeah. like they are all just like so unenjoyable to me because they're so sad and i can't get past it do you, you remember know, like an american kid, tale yeah kid movies went through she a phase hates it. where they would be one would be about separation from your family and one would be about your mother dies and one would mm-hmm. be about like they went through these 
phases where there would be five mommy snuff movies in a row. <laughs> and then there would be five kid gets lost at the yeah. mall or in the wilderness or in the Ukraine. <laughs> Which where movie I, was that? <laughs> <laughs> the American Tale. The American again. Tale 3. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the Ukraine. Five goes east. <laughs> Every time, um, what's the song Mr. from that Block one? <laughs> what's the song from American Tale? Um, Somewhere. Oh God! Oh, she like drives her batty. Oh God! It's so awful. I love it. Yeah, it is pretty just, awful. Yeah, especially when the mouse sings it. With his big sad eyes. As a child, yeah. As a child, because I know there's a couple years difference between us. Not not a ton, but a couple. Yeah, usually they're kids. I was a little bit younger. When Fievel came out, and I remember uh, having this really big stuffed Fievel doll with the detachable wow. hat, little blue velvet yeah, kind of uh, newsboy hat. hat. Oh, I used to wear that thing as a little boy. Oh, that was my little Fievel hat. Oh, I loved it. I was adorable. I was a really cute kid. I insist on seeing, I insist on you putting on the podcast somewhere <laughs> a picture of you in your Fievel hat. I have hat. to track one down, but I will Ooh, see what yeah. I can do. I'm certain this has been documented by photos if you have parents who are human beings. Eh, I'm sure they're around somewhere. Somebody took a picture of you in that freaking hat. Yeah, it's got to be around somewhere. I'll see if I can track one down. All right. I do love that movie, though. That would be really cute. I hate it so much. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay. That's Which, fine. You know, I, we, just... we, we, all got, we all had a lot of movies. Got to, we, all, we were all scarred in our own way. Watership yeah. Down was the one that did it for me. Oh, I've never even seen oh, that. Oh, yeah. Go go watch it. Even, <laughs> as, an, go watch, even as an adult, you'll be like, that is fucked. Who would show that to a child? <laughs> oh, my God. No. Well, this has me thinking, Julia, as I'm taking a, a cursory glance at the rankings list, although my iPad is frozen, uh, we are still a ways away from the song She's Leaving Home. So I'm curious to know how you'll feel about that one mm-hmm. when the time comes. Mm-hmm. Another parental versus child separation jam. Mm-hmm. You want to come back for that one? I have dibs on that one. I've been yeah, I think you do on, have dibs on I've that. That's right. I've been calling dibs on that one since my That's first right. episode. Oh. Yes. That is you. You better you have a it. note for that. Yeah. I think I do actually have it on there. Okay, good. Because you're going to get in Deb's trouble. Deb's got dibs. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, Let me get, get back to trouble. my show notes. I've lost them. Oh, no. Oh, no. I need to just make it up. I've blown it. You've no, never not, done that. I'm not that talented. Please. There we go. Riffing about the Beatles? Yeah, you've never done that. <laughs> it's all scripted and pre-written by mm-hmm. scientists in a lab. <laughs> so you've been traveling to uh, Jersey a little bit. I have been. You, I know last time you were here, you were under wraps about Yes, I was not at liberty to talk uh, about Frankie Goes to Dollywood. Which is fantastic. Which is an 80s bluegrass cover band. Yes. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean... That old chestnut, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> who among us? I mean, who has? If I had a dime really? for every time I was in an '80s bluegrass cover band, I'd have a <laughs> dime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's super fun, and it makes a lot more sense than it sounds like it does when yeah. I say it out loud. <laughs> right. <laughs> but y'all having fun? Yeah, You're keeping super busy. fun. Nice. Super fun, and uh, it's a nice excuse to go to the Jersey Shore as yeah. if I needed one more of those. Right. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm glad that uh, it's been an eventful year for everyone. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, boy, has it ever. Yeah. <laughs> good. Well, you know, speaking of bluegrass, 
Uh, I want to talk about Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band today. I can't wait. <laughs> you like that transition? That was very, very good. Yeah, very, super smooth. That puts the B in subtle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, <laughs> what uh, do you... Do you uh, what's your recollection of the first time you heard that record? That was the first Beatles record I heard all the way through. Mm-hmm. That was the that was my Beatles record. Everybody has their Beatles record, the one that like kicks the door open and blows the papers all over the room and changes the landscape of your brain. That was the one that did it to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember thinking that it sounded like a like a Broadway musical soundtrack. It sounded like a lot like a cast recording. It mm-hmm. starts with the orchestra tuning up right and it goes into this introductory almost overture with ostensibly the cast coming out and introducing themselves and telling you what the show is going to be about like it's very presentational it's very theatrical and um not what i was expecting having heard bits and pieces of um revolver and uh hard day's night Mm -hmm. But hearing this all the way through, it was, I almost wondered if it was like a stage show that had been recorded and adapted or something. I didn't know anything. And how old like were you at the time? 14. Okay. 14. My friend Jason put two songs from this record on a mixtape for me, and then he recorded the whole thing mm-hmm. on a cassette. Yeah. Which is, you know, it. they they had cassettes before they have them now. Before they were ironic, <laughs> the, they were actually the what we resurgence. Did. Yep. Yeah. yeah, scotch tape, oh, pencils, yeah. yes. yes, all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played it and played it and played it and played it and played it until I got a car, and then I played it in my car and I played it in my car and I played it in my car. <laughs> um, and it's one of those records that I can pick up at any point, and I know the rest of it all the way through. I know it, it, it's one of those records that I just know it mm-hmm. is ingrained. I can tell when it's being played too fast. I can tell when the speed is off i can tell when the pitch is off i can mm-hmm. i it's 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 part of my dna sure how about you do you do you have a recollect, a recollection of this julia did you ever have that moment with this record or did you not hear it in its entirety until my dumb ass was around uh probably when your dumb ass arrived <laughs> um <laughs> i i'm trying to think if i have that with like any record Oh, that's a tough one. I would have to really think about that. Maybe like, but I feel like the records that did that when I was young, like I haven't, I don't know that I listen to them anymore. Like mm-hmm. my, my go-tos have changed so much. Like probably when I was 14, it would have been like in utero. Mm-hmm. Nirvana's in utero. Like that would have been my. If you went back and listened to that now, you would probably have like a visceral, you're probably right, muscular response yeah. to it. It would probably be like involuntary muscle reaction. Yeah, and there are songs that come on. Like there's um, like various like so random, but like Nine Inch Nails pretty hate machine songs mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. every now and then one will come up on Sirius XM when we're on the card I was like don't change it and I sing every word like I know the whole <laughs> thing and I'm like what okay I cannot remember what I need to do today but I remember yeah. lyrics to a song that I literally have not listened to in 13 years yeah work with me brain it's like a sa- work with it's me <laughs> because your brain is going back to like 
sacred rituals. <laughs> that yeah. stuff is burned in there. Sergeant Pepper is sacred ritual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For, for my brain. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. I feel like I don't know that I have that same connection with it musically, like, but like it's burned in my brain as to like where I was the first time I. I don't know that the first time I listened to it, I, I really understood it because I was probably. I still don't understand. 10 or 11. It. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> I mean, it's a weird ass record, yeah, man. For sure. <laughs> I'm still like, figuring it out. I was on like a family vacation and we were driving through like the Smoky Mountains. Oh, you said. Yeah. We've talked about this and before. And it's weird because yeah. like that's not the visual representation of that album that's appropriate in any way. I don't even know what is because I don't have the history of hallucinogenics that this album probably necessitates. Um, but yeah, it's that's a weird. Um, a weird memory for me. I always associate it with that kind of like feeling of like nature, which is, it's not the most naturey album. No, it's not. I mean, the white album is actually more naturey than that. Yeah, for sure. How do you feel Sgt. Pepper holds up over the years? Oh, I I think it's magic. There's been a lot of reassessment, I think, of, you know, is it deserving of the mantle that it's had for years of the greatest album of all time everybody well first of all i don't i've never heard anybody refer to it as the greatest album of all time and that pains me because it should at least be in the running if not a serious contention it's usually in like the top five conversation if not top two or three really with like i guess i'm talking to the wrong all like the rolling stone list and things like that that they've done over the years um it was always like that one in pet sounds were like alternate okay yeah I can see that. Yeah. Axis Bold as Love is probably part of that conversation, too. Yeah, it's usually up in there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's such, like, a hard discussion to have because music is so subjective. Like mm-hmm. It is, and it's never it's... bullshit to state a preference, but yeah. some opinions can actually be wrong. Preferences <laughs> and opinions are not the same thing, yes. and some yeah. times opinions can be wrong. Yeah. yeah. Like, how do you just say, like, this one thing is the greatest thing ever done I don't know I just think that's so hard like I think this podcast is fun because you're not like this is not the I'm not telling everyone that these are the best Beatles songs like these are my order Jonathan would say this is my order my yes yeah like this is this is Jonathan's ranking this is not like yeah but it's never bullshit to state a preference Yeah, yeah exactly but how do you just like unequivocally say this one thing is? The you best? work for Rolling Stone, like, and then suddenly you get special <laughs> dispensation from right. the Pope, and you can start saying that things are the best. Whatever. <laughs> I don't want that job. Yeah, me yeah. either, man. That sounds terrible. It's too much work. Yeah. That, that sounds yeah. It sounds really awful. Yeah. I've uh, I've always found our song today to be really interesting. Um, in a, a kind of a deeper discussion of, um, you know, there's a lot of talk these days about certain histories of, of like John Lennon, mm-hmm. right? A lot of the things that he is known to have done and ways he's behaved and, you know, things he's done to people. He wasn't always as nice as he could have been. Bingo. <laughs> um, and I think this is an interesting song because I think this is one of the first times he maybe kind of owns up to it in a public way. Yeah, he reminds me of Randy Newman in that way, where he's like, hey, I did some, I did some crappy stuff, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't altogether cool. Yeah. Whereas before, I was just like, yeah, I did some crappy stuff. What of it? Yeah. Like. Here he's, like, there's some self-awareness. Yes. I've read a lot of kind of accounts about 
you know, at some point in 67, he's, you know, saying that he's at the happiest he's ever been. And a lot of it is maybe because he's taking acid and acid is known to like break down the ego and really kind mm -hmm. of let you look at yourself. And, um, you know, he's now he's coming to terms with the fact that like, I've done some really awful things and maybe I can do better if I talk about it and express my regret for that and stop doing that and maybe stop doing it. That would also now, does help. he always stop doing that? I don't no, know, no. but well, you know, he's a human being and he's very flawed, flawed, you know? So I find this yeah. to be an interesting point uh, in that conversation for him. But with that in mind, why don't we go ahead and jump into this? Cool. Coming in this week at number 135. We've gotten so far away. From the beginning of this podcast. My That's God. true. Uh, 135 is getting better. It's getting better all the time. I used to get mad at my school. Teachers that taught me weren't cool. They're holding me down, turning me around, filling me up with your rules. It's getting better, better, a little better, all the time. I have to admit, it's getting better, it's getting better. Since you've been mine, we used to be angry young man. Be hiding me head in the sand. You gave me the word. Authorized Beatle biography Shout, author Hunter Davies recalls a day spent with Paul waiting for John to arrive for a writing session when the band were working on the Sgt. Pepper album. He and Paul went for a walk around Primrose Hill and it was the first spring-like day of the year. Comment on the weather, Paul says, it's getting better, and began to chuckle, explaining that it's getting better was actually the regular answer that he and John would get from drummer Jimmy Nickel when they would ask how he was handling the workload during the weeks he filled in for Ringo in 1964. He began working on ideas for a song around the idea of it's getting better, and by the time John arrived, there were some bare bones to play with. Paul, always the optimist, had a chorus of, you've got to admit it's getting better, and by all accounts, the more cynical John then answered back with, it can't get much worse. Uh, the yin and yang of these two at its finest right here. Uh, so the band actually began working on the song in the studio the following evening, March 9th, 1967, taking several hours to rehearse and come up with parts, uh, eventually needing seven takes to get a final rhythm track of guitar, bass, and drums, and would eventually overdub uh, additional instruments, including more guitar, more bass, more drums, electric piano, tambora, regular piano, regular piano, uh, <laughs> and a miniature harmonium from George Martin, which I'd like to see a miniature harmonium. They are. It's kind of small. Pretty small, yeah. Probably really cute. Um, Harmonionium? <laughs> now, a rather famous incident occurs during the vocal session for this song. Uh, as Paul, George, and John are all working on their vocal track, John tells the others that he's having a hard time focusing. Hunter Davies notes in his book uh, that at this session, the vocals sound particularly flat on this evening. Uh, George Martin decides to help John out by taking him up to get some fresh air. Uh, but since the front of the studio is surrounded by Beatles fans, he takes John up to the roof of the studio. Uh, now, what George Martin does not know is that earlier, John had intended to take an upper to get himself through the late night recording session, but he accidentally took a dose of LSD. 
Uh, Martin describes John like leaning towards the edge of the rooftop, remarking how amazing the stars looked that night. When almost right on cue, Paul and George come darting through the rooftop door, realizing what John has done and knowing that the rooftop is generally a bad place to be when you're tripping balls on acid. Uh, now, I believe this is actually also the night where Paul takes John home and decides to join uh, his friend on his trip, taking LSD for the first time himself. And uh, by Paul's account, having a very intense psychedelic evening with his best friend. Now, of course, uh, Getting Better is released in May of 1967 on the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band album. The Beatles never perform it live. However, Paul does perform it live for the first time uh, during his 2002-2003 tours. So, why do I have Getting Better at 135? Uh, I've always found this song to be really kind of fun. Uh, it's got a lot of the same feel-good bounce you hear in other Paul classics like Penny Lane or Good Day Sunshine, and it's got a really intriguing arrangement. It doesn't start out with the root note of the chorus at the beginning, so it kind of takes your ear a few beats to get acclimated, which is always an interesting trick. I think Ringo's drum parts are just fantastic here. Um, reportedly, he was unhappy with the recording of it, as they had a fill-in engineer the night they did the track. Um, so they added some extra snare hits uh, in different parts of the song to try to beef it up. But I think it kind of gives the track a really nice space uh, in the differences for the vocal to shine. Um, I really love the vocal on the track. I think Paul's in fine form. Uh, the backing vocals seem to come straight out of the Brian Wilson School of Counterpoint. Uh, George's use of the tambora adds a really uh, interesting element sonically that I think changes the vibe of the song in the middle of it. And I think that shows that he's kind of really starting to understand the possibilities that exist to mix Eastern and Western music. Um, I also think it's really interesting that musically the track is so upbeat and fun, but lyrically it touches on a lot of darker places, mentioning you know abusive teachers, coming to terms with your own self-anger and your own abuse issues, which is really a jarring counter to this bouncy kind of happy music. Um, and this is a really like a real collaboration between Paul and John, and I think it's interesting to see that this is maybe kind of a bit of a revelation for John and his growth here. Like I mentioned before, by 1967, he's making real strides and trying to outgrow the anger of his youth and owning up to that side of himself in a real public way is kind of a bold move. But overall, I think this is really just kind of an enjoyable song. It really does, it kind of pushes the album away from the thematic idea of Sgt. Pepper and that it, it serves no purpose in forwarding any kind of theme or storyline about this band and this show that we're seeing. Um, and it's pretty outside of a lot of the psychedelic area that the album just left you on with, with Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Um, but overall, really fun track, and I think it feels like a real group effort on a record that doesn't always have those group effort moments. Uh, so that's my rambling thoughts on this one. Uh, Debbie, yes. I turn it to you. Uh, I agree with a lot of what you said. I think that the, um, I think the progression of the subject matter, starting out with how you are in school mm -hmm. and then how you are as a young man and not really wanting to come to terms with yourself and then your relationships with people is you're documenting your growth as a person and how it can continue to just stagnate in this negative sort of self-destructive place mm -hmm. but somehow and it does he does continue to remind you that it's because of you mm -hmm. since you're since you've been mine it's getting so much better all the time it it wasn't good here and it wasn't good there and it wasn't good there but now but now i admit it's getting better 
it's getting better all the time. Mm-hmm. And it obviously can get worse, John. <laughs> I mean, I get it. You're adorable. But it can get worse because it was worse. And yes, no. I understand you have to be the devil's advocate and you're <laughs> tripping balls again. Right. Again. <laughs> again. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. How original. At least it wasn't heroin. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been a really dour version of this song. Yeah. It can get so much worse. <laughs> yeah. And better, and then worse. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it... I actually disagree in the idea that it departs from the show. I think it... The idea of this show that you're getting let in on what these people are about and what this journey that they're on, this kind of is a window into what their personal experiences are Mm -hmm. where emotionally these guys are where psychologically these guys are because then fixing a hole comes right after Mm -hmm. and that's all metaphors for where your mind is going when you don't know what you're thinking about and so you you are getting to know these people and it's part of the uh, character exposition of these lonely hearts Mm -hmm. I guess for want of a better word um, but you understand that they weren't always in a good place, and now that they now they are, um, and it's that's not not always an easy thing for a young man to admit mm-hmm. that he was unhappy at any time in his life. You ask any guy, "How are you? Oh, good. Fine. Have you been good? <laughs> How is everything? Good. How's it going to be later? Good." <laughs> like, Bruh, no, you're. That's right. absolute. Do, do you buy? Do you buy that? Because that sounds. <laughs> you don't sound convinced, and I'm not either. Right. Also, um, and I think it's hard for young men to admit that things have been difficult and that they have gotten better. And it was because I realized that the problem was me, and I went and did something about it and fixed it. Uh, that's not just the domain of young men I think that that, Mm. that's a lot of people in general have a problem seeing themselves as the problem and then going about the means by which to fix it so Mm. it's is personally a very revealing song in that way that these I mean what were they 25 yeah John's 26 no 20 oh he's born 40 October of 40 so that makes him so 26. 26, yeah. Yeah, so the, these young men coming to these revelatory George points. George is like 23. Oh, God, yeah. He's, like a baby. He, he, he's not even old enough to rent a car yet. Like he still has pimples on his <laughs> yeah. face, you know? <laughs> totally. Yeah, he, it, the idea that Spotty. these men are so emotionally evolved that mm-hmm. they can look at their lives and go, yeah, I used to get mad at, I used to get mad at my school. Like, at my school the idea that like these objects were stirring these emotions of rage mm-hmm. it really it, it speaks to understanding your emotions and most people that age don't have that kind of self-awareness yeah. so you're already talking about very evolved people and um, I think it's very a very brave song mm-hmm. and so optimistic because yeah, it, I used to be cruel to my woman. I beat her and ca- like, he just lays it out there. It's like he's at an AA meeting. He just yeah. like he's just laying out this terrible shit that he did, 
man, I was mean, but I'm changing my scene and I'm doing the best that I can. Mm -hmm. It's so clear that it's all about his intention. And um, I, I just think it's really brave and really optimistic and a real departure from things that were happening at the same time, which, you know, were, you know, people were writing songs about the apocalypse, yeah. like their, con <laughs> their contemporaries, Buffalo Springfield <laughs> and the Rolling Stones and The Who, where a lot of songs were about, you know, the eve of destruction, mm -hmm. quite literally. Yeah. And this was about, no, I was kind of a fuck up and I wasn't very nice to people and that was my fault and I'm doing the best that I can. And that's super brave coming from the, the four gents who are known for making sweet little love songs. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, and acting like, and acting like everything. In the world. Yeah. And yeah. acting like everything was already okay. Admitting that it's not. Yeah. After the fact is really hard to do. Because mm -hmm. they're, they're the lovely, you know, the little Liverpoolian mop tops. Like, every, they, they were perfect. There was nothing wrong with them. And for right. them to come forward and be willing to admit that they weren't happy and they weren't perfect and they were kind of jerks and and they're gonna fix it me it's almost like a precursor to like plastic ono band you know primal ski primal scream therapy john where he like mm -hmm. owns up to everything you know right everything you do and don't want to know about he tells you yeah you know? and is this before or after he wrecks harry nielsen's voice as well, well before. Good, because <laughs> I haven't got much to say about. That's like seventy four. Afterward, yeah, yeah, that was really that was uncalled for, John. Well, <laughs> I think Harry's as much to blame for that as anyone else. He has a self destructive streak. Oh, um, as long as John's, you know. I mean, yes, but he didn't need any help. Sure, he did not. That was a perfect storm. Did not of, need to egg him on, John. Bad times. Yeah, you know. Yeah, <laughs> John, it probably one of his most conflicted times they do they they did not work and play well together no they did not no. that's too unfortunately bad. i too do bad. love the pussycats record though <laughs> i don't think i know what that is oh that's the record that they made when that happened mm. so yeah so in 73 or 74 i just know he never sang again after that well he did like i mean never sang never sang, sang like he did before yeah right he they they were making a record um called pussycats in 74 i think it was and john produced it okay and this is during the lost weekend period and oh, okay uh you know they're you know out just tearing it up all the time and there is the alleged story is that they got into like a competition to see who could like do a more ripping screaming vocal one night as they're all you know drunk and mm. cooked up and pilled up and just yeah. out of their minds and they're just going to town and harry was already having a little bit of laryngitis and he and just ripped it started just there was some blood on the microphone and no. he didn't want to tell anybody anything so he just wiped that off and let's go to the bar guys and then it just progressively got worse yeah no, yeah that's, that's your throat up there yeah yeah there's a little red spot on your mic today Ooh. <laughs> i just really i just got what you were doing there yeah there's a little red spot on the mic today. That's my throat up there. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I'm sure we're waiting for a gigantic lawsuit from Gordon right. Sumner. <laughs> Sting will come. Come and get us, Gordon. <laughs> Have you hey, seen? You um, know his stamina is great. He's yeah. Wow. 
hours. Tantric lawsuits. Hours. Hours and hours. <laughs> like seven hours. Yeah, that's um, something I want to do for seven hours with you, Sting. <laughs> uh, have you watched the show, unrelated completely, um, Only Murders in the Building? No, but I keep hearing that He has that a I nice cameo to. in that. Nice. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I will have to watch show. that. Highly recommended. Once I get that's my cable turned on. Yes. It's supposed to be sometime <laughs> this week. Well, that's yeah. the rumor according to Cox. So, nice. well, no, this is just this is on uh, on Hulu. Hulu. Oh, yeah. yeah so but as long I, as you get your Wi-Fi. Yeah, I have to get my Wi-Fi uh, turned on. Gotcha. Go. Fair I enough. Just moved into a house. That's true. So, that's true. Yeah, true. it's very cute. It's Steve Martin and Martin Short. Like you can't go Fantastic. wrong. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. You can't that, go that wrong. That sounds. There. They're so probably cute. Probably perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so what are you thinking, Miss Julia? I'm I'm really surprised that we're here already. Yeah. I'm like kind of I'm pretty surprised that this is so low. Not that it's super low, but right. like I'm 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 surprised we're here. Um I um can open my notes. <laughs> <laughs> um I really like the sort of like punchiness of the song. Mm-hmm. Like the it starts with like sort of the guitar strums Very and, jarring, like, yeah. yeah and then it wraps up with the piano doing the same thing like so it's like a mm-hmm. little bit of a different feel but i just You're right the it the rhythm it. of it is it's just so like punchy mm-hmm. and nice which is kind i feel like paul is more melodic like he he always seems more like a little softer right, but he brings in that Oh, the bass he, part's he can't weird. help himself. It's like yeah. it's so it's so noodly and <laughs> groovy. Yeah, he can't help it. Paul. Yeah, but I love it. I think so it's whimsical. it yes. makes the song stand out. Like when you hear that junk, you know, yeah. you know what's coming. You know exactly what that is. Yeah, you know it's going to be this song. Um, so that sort of makes it a bit iconic. Um, yeah. Uh, it feels kind of weird that this was used in like at least one like national ad campaign. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was yeah. like Panasonic, I think. It's yeah, a couple right. lately, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't it used for somebody's like political campaign too, like getting better all the time. Oh, wasn't no. that? Oh, I don't know. Probably that would. I mean, it would probably. Uh, it might be. They have guy. to be really. I don't know. It wasn't that guy. You don't think he, he doesn't believe in music. Well, no, there were a lot of artists that came out and they were like, stop playing my song at your rally. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, like everybody except Kid Rock. Phillips. Phillips Magnavox. Phillips Magnavox. Yeah, that was the big one. Yeah. That was like the big ad campaign that I remember. <clears throat> it, it feels weird that, like, like, I mean, obviously they just used the chorus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, knowing the rest of the song, <laughs> it's like. Magnavox is not talking I, about beating your woman and they, keeping her they apart not, from the things that no. she loves. No. Like Magnavox. Um, <laughs> Those like these great headphones. <laughs> it would be great if they used like that footage of like, you know, those jabronis who like tear their TV off the wall and like break all the shit after like the Super Bowl when their team loses. <laughs> That's the, when you play that part of the song. Yeah. Man, I was mean, <laughs> but I'm changing my seat. <laughs> Doing the best I can, Debra. I'm really sad about the, the Eagles. The no Bears really disappointed us this time. <laughs> Dragging his broken TV to the sidewalk. <laughs> Can't get no worse. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, I I really like that song. I'm surprised it's so low. Yeah. Um, there are so many great Beatles yeah. songs. I know, I know. They I, all need to be in the top 20. Mm. How can you do that with 200 songs? Yeah. yeah, I feel like we're sort of in that territory of like, it's... 
we're in the really good stuff now. Yeah. And I have to like look at what's ahead and realize maybe this song does belong here. I'm not saying I agree. <laughs> I'm just saying there's no, a she, chance. She yeah. will not concede to agreeing <laughs> with you. Heaven yeah. for Fen. Never. No. <laughs> Sometimes I do. There's there's quite a few times where I'm like, yeah, yeah. this is yeah, okay. fine. This is fine. Yeah. Um, but I don't know about this one. I really enjoy this song. Yeah. Same. I mean, yeah. You've got you've got a little bit of growth. Mm-hmm. You've got some punchy piano and guitar. I mean, the song is really skillfully assembled. It really is. It builds beautifully mm-hmm. with the one vocal and the call and response. You know, with the one voice, he used to get mad at my school. No, I can't complain. Mm-hmm. Teachers, yeah. All the while you're complaining. Right. <laughs> the teacher's telling me, cool. No, I can't complain. <laughs> Holding me down. <laughs> and then the like the three betters that like better, go. Better. I love that. Like how mm-hmm. fun is that to sing along to? Well, and then the second verse Whirly. has two parts. Worse. Yeah. Used to be a young man, and then the third verse has the three parts. Mm-hmm. Used to be cruel to my woman and beat her. Those are the three parts. So they they add. I mean, it's they build. They do it. It's it's perfect. It's yeah. really skillfully constructed. And th- th- what is the do you what was the mean to tell Tambora. me? It sounds like a hurdy gurdy. <laughs> yeah, the same instrument. <laughs> like a cross between a hurdy gurdy and a uh, didgeridoo. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yep. I didn't know what that's that was. Tambora. Tambora. Mm-hmm. Wow. On so, the uh, it sounds like something you tempura. eat. Tempura. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tempura shrimp. <laughs> tempura really good. <laughs> I had some yesterday. On the. Uh, Sergeant Pepper box set. I think it's like take twelve of this, where like they've got the master now. They're overdubbing and trying different things, mm-hmm. and George does the tambora through the whole thing, and it's cool, but it loses its effect. Right. Um, well, it comes in, and then right the when it hits verse, that key right? change in the bridge, uh, uh, better, 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 <laughs> it's just right, like before this the, weird thing. Before the third verse. Yeah. That's where shit gets serious. And used to be cruel to... Yeah, that's where, it's that's like, where you, it gets You get serious. this kind of darker, weird overtone mm-hmm. that comes in. It's really cool. Like, it's, you know... They're, they're, right, no, it's... it's the, but that's like the dark part of the soul. Yeah. That's the... The first two verses are just about... I wasn't happy when I went to school. I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't happy when I was a young man. I was angry and putting my head in the sand. <laughs> no, and, and then, then, then I the used to be shit. cruel to my woman. I beat her and kept her apart from the things that she loved. That sounds like a really terrible person. And that's not just like I Maybe was mean we, to my old lady today. Like yeah, no, it's like, 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 no, like we're gonna bring in the hurdy gurdy really for dark, this because yeah. this is there's something wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I think that's, you know, they're so good at this point at filtering ideas and self-editing and knowing, like, yeah, George could play the tambour through the whole thing. And it'd be this cool Indian kind of thing, but it's way more effective if you save it for this, like, really impactful part. Mm -hmm. And they're, like, masters at deciding those kind of things. Yeah, the Mm -hmm. soundscapes that they create that go with the images, that go with the emotions. They, yeah, that's, that's their calling card by mm. this point and there's a, apparently there's a lot of overdubs that don't make the record like George Martin did like a bunch of piano parts that aren't in the final mix I mean curious to know you know what they would be because he's such a prim and proper guy right but he's a fantastic player but I'd be curious to see what he would have brought to this or what he did bring to it that they chose not to do in the end right you know well he does the um, 
he does the keyboard part in the beginning of fixing a hole, right? I don't the, know. The, the, the I haven't harp, looked at the harpsichord part. He might. He might. I know. I mean, all er, all of that stuff that early sounds on, like madrigal sound is almost always George Martin. Well, early seems. on he's do he does like almost all the piano and key stuff in the first couple records. Right. But then there's a point where they're kind of like, "Hey, man." We could play the goddamn piano, like we got this, right? But and then, then they kind like, of take over, like but... on piggies. It's that's George I think Martin. that is him, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, in my life, mm -hmm. the stuff that really sounds like it's classically oriented yeah. is usually George Martin. Yeah, yeah. So I'd be curious to see what he did on this, but yeah, it's fan. It's yeah, a great it's, track. It obviously didn't need him. No. <laughs> Thank you, sir. So saying John Lennon himself. <laughs> well. John Lennon said a lot of things. <laughs> they weren't always nice or even yeah. accurate. Although the one about the best drummer mean. in the world still makes me laugh. And it really should because that was mean. That's not a real. That's not really him. Who what? That was some. That's not really him. No, the one about not even the best drummer in the Beatles. I, not a real John Lennon quote. God, God damn it. Yeah, I don't it's know not a real quote. I don't know if I'm happy or sad about it's, that. Uh, it's uh, as a comic in the 80s, apparently. <laughs> That what? Did it. And it's just turned into a thing of, it you know. It became this apocryphal story. Yeah. I had, ah. Uh, well, Makes you feel a little bit better to know he's not that much of a dickhead, though. I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, but he's still that much of a dickhead, just not for having said <laughs> that. See, but, and he I, wasn't I, a nice man. I think we're all on record as knowing that John Lennon was not, as, as Alex McMurray once said he wasn't always nice as he could be. Yeah. 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 I don't know that he was a bad person or a bad man. I've heard accounts of him being a very nice, very generous person. I think he was just a very deeply flawed person who spent 40 years trying to figure out who the hell he was and what he was doing and, and didn't quite get to finish out. that journey. Yeah. Um, maybe kind of had an idea towards the end of the, yeah. of those 40 and years. Then and then, yeah. Was not allowed to see where he would go yeah yeah so that is the journey of life unfortunately sometimes like did well no i guess i'm probably answering this myself i'm like did he was he known to say very mean things like that about his bandmates <laughs> no i mean he did a little bit about, about he wasn't like, known to say nice things about his band <laughs> i mean he sometimes well, put it in a song you know uh, yeah okay post beatles when the venom was Hot yeah. and fresh, you know. Yes. There were a lot of things that were said that were obviously out of spite. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I th there George said things throughout the 70s and 80s, mainly towards Paul, that were out of spite and, you know, ongoing bitterness about things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that seemed to be the I think, theme, like creating the narrative about who Paul was and yeah. Paul had no recourse. Yeah. Uh, to say well no i'm actually an okay guy you know wings, right. is, wings is fun and right. wings is nice and yeah you know everybody said decided who paul was and then told the world who paul was and paul yeah. had no 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 way to backtrack yeah. on that well it's like you know in 70 john's got this big you know expose in rolling stone with yan wenner where he just trashes him and that story kind of becomes gospel of you know paul is overbearing he just writes you know commercial you know crap and you know john was the genius behind the picture and everything and um you know and then that kind of becomes what everyone assumes especially because 
there was ill will towards Paul because Paul sued to end the band, like legally had to do that to dissolve the to partnership. Dissolve the partnership, and uh, just the public view of him was just bad, and it just got piled on through three years of lawsuits of the three of them towards Paul. I was going to say, of three people going, yeah, he's a jerk, all right. Yeah, yeah. And nobody coming to his defense and going, no, that really had to happen. No, I would have done the same thing. If he hadn't done it, we all would have been. No, they, they threw him under the bus. Yeah, totally, completely. Yeah. And he's still the cute one, you know, sorry. Even maybe, with the maybe, mullet and the mustache. Maybe that's why. <laughs> maybe maybe that's why they did it, because he was maybe. the cute one. You never know. <laughs> Male well, ego is nothing if not very That's tender. right. Uh, so <laughs> long fragile. memory and yeah. so fragile. So fragile. So fragile. Oh, boy. Yeah, I, Don't I, we know it? Oh, all, <laughs> yeah, all 51% of us, we know really, really well how fragile that stuff is. Mm. Thanks, by the way, guys. Really had our backs there. Appreciate mm. um, Control your people. Right. <laughs> uh, to circle back to your point, though, about, tra- about uh, trashing each other mm-hmm. musically. Um, John, at some point when things had cooled down, was on record saying, you know, I've only ever had two creative partners in my life. Paul McCartney and Yoko Ono. Mm-hmm. I'm batting a thousand. Like, I'm, I've worked with the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, uh, you know, talked about Paul being the best bass player of the time and like every bass player you hear now is playing what Paul McCartney plays like he gave him his flowers as he got as things cooled off mm-hmm. um, and they were always great about Ringo like the, the, even when they like when they were at their bitchiest they always took care of Ringo because no one was ever mad at Ringo that's the thing is like you couldn't be mad at Ringo it's like Ringo was like just like a puppy yeah, it's a puppy back there, mm-hmm. just like doing his little thing. Ringo was just, oh Ringo. Well, like <laughs> I you mean, know, it would be it would be almost every solo album of in the seventies. Of course, we're gonna put let. Of course, we're gonna let Ringo be in the play. Aww. Of course, we're gonna, like, you know, he's the tree. Yeah, exactly. But Ringo's there. No, you know, no. Ringo, Ringo gets to come out and dust off home plate before every game. Like Aww. Ringo's included. He's not gonna pitch though. <laughs> I think almost, um, almost every Ringo solo album in the '70s had at least two, if not three. Beatles on them. Yes. Like either George is writing photograph or John was writing uh, I'm the greatest or Goodnight Vienna or they're all playing on the song together minus Paul or Paul and Linda are coming in and recording on something with like they all always made sure that they took care of Ringo which like I think is really admirable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he was like the Fredo Corleone of the Beatles. <laughs> oh no. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm not dumb like everybody says. I'm not like everybody says. Like, dumb. <laughs> I'm smart and I want respect. Oh, man. Everyone respects Ringo. Oh. Do they? I think they do. Do they, though? I think they I should. I don't think they do. I don't think they do. I don't think they respect I agree Ringo. that they should. I, th- I don't I th- think that they I do. think that they garner him with praise. I think that they give him his due. I do not think they respect Ringo. <laughs> Do you think you think the other three Beatles, you mean, or people in general? I think they show him reverence out of the um, 
the sacred nature nature of their relationship. Twenty five percent ownership of the company. <laughs> that too. <laughs> yeah. Interesting though. That's interesting. No, I mean they were young together and they were the world's greatest thing together. Like that's not only a business compact, but that's that's a that's a sacrament in anybody's book. I don't care what happens afterward. That's mm-hmm. that's that's sacred stuff. So yeah, of course they're going to have Ringo's back. But it's interesting because... They, Even though he's they, Ringo. You know, they talk about, about in the early days when they still have Pete Best or they have whoever, whatever random-ass drummer they had for six months here and yeah. there. Like Chaz Newbie or whoever it was. <laughs> um, you know, Ringo was always known as the number one drummer in Liverpool. He was the guy that everyone was right. like, That's, he's the professional he, you know, has a beard and he plays <laughs> at the summer camp thing every year and he's right. got a car and he was like the guy that everyone was like, oh shit, y'all got Ringo Starr? And uh, then when he first sat in with them, they were like, oh, this is what it feels like when you have a real drummer. This is the magic. So like they pursued him. It wasn't like, um, we just yeah, need a guy because he'd have gotten Jimmy Nickel if you just need a guy. Right. No, I'm totally aware of that and I think it's one of those things that it's where the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. But that with the alchemy of the four of them, Ringo was the least necessary to create the amalgam. That's interesting that you would say that. I that don't John, know that I would agree That with John, that. Paul, and George playing together without Ringo created a more cohesive version of the Beatles than Ringo playing with any of the other two. Do you think that that existed before Ringo and Ringo was just a foundation that they could put it on top of? I don't know. I I mean, I don't have any way to monitor what they sounded like in the early days before Mm -hmm. they had anybody else. Yeah. Like, there's no real basis for comparison. But I think by... You can listen to Love Me Do with Pete Best. It's not very good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that's not really comparative to the art yeah. that we're talking about in terms of the, their legacy and what they wound up being remembered for, the last half of their catalog being being high art, if you'll pardon the phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it would have been more possible without Ringo than it would have been without any of the other three. Interesting. Because I would almost lean towards George in that argument. Because I think, and I have a lot of respect and love for George. Yeah. But I think Paul and John are the real obvious linchpins. Of course. And of course. They're the, they're the ten, ten poles. And Paul can play lead guitar mm-hmm. just as well as, as George can. Huh. Um, it's a different sound. Right. But I don't know that George really hit his signature thing until towards the end of the game. Yeah. I mean, he really doesn't come into his own as far as writing, like, honest-to-God classics until 68. Um, right. I guess like, I just he's writing like good songs before The alchemy then. of a trio, if you had to extract a trio from the Beatles, mm-hmm. from the quartet of the Beatles, and still have something that would resemble as much of the Beatles as could be re- represented by three people, mm-hmm. I think it, the three that it would be represented by would be John, Paul, and George. Interesting. I'm going to stick with John Paul Ringo because I feel like you could take, and I mean this with all respect, I think you could take George Harrison and put him in the Dave Clark Five. <laughs> Any, or That'd you could weird. put him in... Um, the Yardbirds. The Yardbirds. 
and he would flourish and be fine. I think Ringo, in any other band, doesn't do the thing that they need, but has too much charisma to be in that band, to be in the back. I definitely think the only band for Ringo is the Beatles. 100%. 100%. Which only, which only really speaks to my point. But also, I couldn't put any other drummer in the Beatles. Yeah, that's where I'm like, what happens if you drop like Ginger Baker? Oh, it's trash. In God. The Beatles? Like, it's I mean, trash. just like literally anyone else. No, John like... punches him in the mouth in the first 20 minutes. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, it, it comes to fisticuffs. Yeah. It, 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 George Martin punches him in the mouth. Right. I mean, they're lining up to punch him in the mouth. Right. I want to punch him in the mouth. <laughs> I'm, I know he could take I me. Mean, I still like want to do it. I mean, even someone less punchable. <laughs> less punchable than Ginger like Baker. Charlie like Watts everybody. would have been yeah. great in there. Charlie Watts would have been great in the Beatles. I, I disagree wholeheartedly. That man... <laughs> wholeheartedly. Why? <laughs> I personally... Because he punched Mick Jagger? That's a great story. I love I that. I love that, too. I don't think Charlie Watts is a great rock and roll drummer. I don't I just either. don't. I, I, I think he's a great drummer for the Rolling Stones. And whatever fluidity that requires, I don't like. If you ever listen to uh, "Honky Tonk Women," mm-hmm. starts off about here, ding 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 ding, ding little cowbell thing, yeah, and it ends. It is a honk. It speeds up the whole time. Yeah. Um, you know, his this, drum fills always sound like he's dropping his drums down the stairs. boom. <laughs> and every drum fill is boom. That's true. Even like arguably the best Stones like percussion track, Sympathy for the Devil, it's not Charlie Watts. What? That's not Charlie Watts. <laughs> Hang on. Let's see. I got to oh find Oh boy. This. Consult the Oracle. Someone's going to murder Airplay us. You play drums <laughs> on Kyle's already screaming at it. <laughs> sympathy for the devil. You have Rob as starting this podcast. If you don't, um, easy, Kyle. We're getting there. <laughs> keep your pants see. on. Uh, I'm begging you. Keep your pants on. <laughs> he probably has no pants on. I'm certain he has no pants on. He doesn't wear pants behind the drums. Why would he wear pants listening to this podcast? <laughs> no, he wears pants on the drums. Does he? Yeah. No, he wears jeans to every show. Thankfully. I have seen some jazz fest photographs I, that would contradict that's that. That's true. That he wears oh. them to our shows. I will give you that. Yeah, your um, shows, not were, all shows. Yes, yes. there were I've different s- choices. I have seen some patriotic his... speedos that gave me pause. <laughs> back in his younger days, <laughs> I don't know how much younger he was. They were just speedos, and they uh, they uh, didn't leave a lot of imagination. Yeah, they, which uh, is the best name ever. What, um, what name? Okay, hang on. Let's see. Um, Rocky Dijon is, that a is the guy name? who plays the Congo drum beats. That's like the main pattern going throughout. Yeah. Now this does say that Charlie Watts is on the track. I have read otherwise many, many places. But he's not doing the... That, that he's not the drummer. And if you go watch um, like the Rock and Roll Circus mm-hmm. from 68, where like they play it live for the first time, yeah. he doesn't even do that. He's just... Duck, 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 Like he's, he's not... That's yeah. not his thing. He's just Charlie Watson. Great jazz, great jazz drummer. Would yeah. have been terrible in the Beatles. In my opinion, I could be mistaken. 
Well, I think that to change any of those moving parts and replace it with something else would have ruined the whole thing. It would have collapsed the structure. Yeah. 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 Which is why they had to break up, which is why they had to stop, because they couldn't have kept going the way they were going. Mm-mm. The structure was collapsing anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to know that they weren't quite at each other's throats the way, um, what's his name, would have had us believe right. in Let It Be, but... They might have gotten there, just not at that point. Yeah. I and mean, there were some, some bad moments Edi- after those sessions, Editing for is sure. everything. Oh, yeah. Editing is everything. For sure. And for 30 years, we all labored under the delusion that they were, you know... I watched that for that first documentary that Lindsay, what's his name? Michael did. Lindsay Hogg. Michael, Michael Lindsay Hogg. <laughs> <laughs> Instigator. Speaking of Michael Lindsay Hogg. Shitster. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, he, I watched that when I was in my 20s and it looked like John it's was terrible. ready. To, it looked like John was ready to throw an ashtray at Paul. Like mm-hmm. it looked, and Paul looked like he's ready to cry half the time. Like yeah. you have, you, he made people choose sides mm-hmm. and I'm glad to know that that was not nearly as volatile. He was just mad that they didn't give him the movie he wanted. So he mm-hmm. made this terrible movie about them and crucified them instead. Yeah. Which. What a nerd. Super classy. <laughs> what a yeah. nerd. Orson Welles would be really proud of his kid, Michael. <laughs> Wait, is he Orson Welles' He's kid? Orson Welles' oh. legitimate son. Wow. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All of his brothers and sisters are Orson Welles' legitimate children. Oh. He's yeah. the, um, who's the reporter that uh, is obviously Frank Sinatra's kid? Oh, yes. Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. What? You're going to have to punch it in. Oh, man. I can't remember. Um, that's a, the, 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 I'll, I'll cut that. <laughs> that doesn't matter. But, yeah. I'm yeah. with you on that. Yeah, Orson Welles, super classy, good. That's, yeah, <laughs> Rosebud. <laughs> you ever seen the? You feel uh, better now? The commercials where Orson Welles is doing like uh, wine cooler commercials. Oh God, the cutaways! <laughs> he's totally hammered. He's totally hammered. And you heard the outtakes of that where mm-hmm. he starts cursing at the copywriters. <laughs> so Why can't anybody write copy? Nobody knows how to write words now. <laughs> This is very Moira Rose. Oh, my God. Orson Welles just, like, letting the copywriter have Have it. it. Yep. Oof. Yeah, good times. Oh, goodness. So let's let's circle back because we've got got well off of getting better. Um, We've gone on a journey. Can't get much weirder. Uh, 135. Am I too high? Am I too low? What do you think? Am I in the ballpark? See, I... I have trouble gauging where we... How many songs are there? I've got 223. Okay. So we're roughly 85 into the list. I'm going to assume that's right. Math is not my forte. <laughs> and not mine either. Um, it's less than 100, but more than 75. So I'm just, I'm taking a swing Approximately at Approximately 90 135? Yes. So that's... Please let somebody be able I'm to not do cutting that. this. 65. <laughs> I'm not cutting this part Plus of the podcast. 2388. I could tell you. I love them all so much. I love them all so much. And yeah. it makes me 
it, it makes me feel like a gigantic nerd to admit that out loud. It also gives me a great deal of comfort to know that I am not being judged by the people to whom I am admitting it because <laughs> right. you're, you love them all so much too. Yeah. And whoever is out there listening in podcast land has already decided what they think of me. So <laughs> whatever. Fair enough. Suck it, guys. I love these <laughs> so much. <laughs> Julia, what are you thinking? I don't know. I think I went this one a little, a little higher. Like I think I like it a little bit more than where it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. But again, I need to look at the list as a whole and decide. But I don't disagree with it like the way I disagree with where you put "Long and Winding Road." Yeah. Like, <laughs> Here's the third song that I ranked. Like the third worst I, Beatles this is song my third is the "Long Road." Are you insane? <laughs> It's so sad, boy. Yes, it is. Uh, and it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. You're wrong. <laughs> Wait, you were just saying opinions can't be wrong. Well, no, no, no. Can be. It's never bullshit to state a preference. Preference. Opinions, opinions can, can be wrong. Be wrong. Yep. Valid. Okay, fine. And on this one. Yeah. Long and winding road, man. <laughs> Mistakes I will. Made. I will take it to the grave. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't everybody's know. Got I like hill, it a little bit more. Everybody's got a hill they got to die on. Mm-hmm. I understand. That's true. It's okay. That's true. Um, can we do some rapid fire questions? Sure. All right. So we've had you on three times, so we've got to think of different rapid fires every time, which is tricky. You could ask me the same rapid fires every time, and I would not remember what I answered last right. time. So it much would probably, happen. It would probably be a different answer every time, too. No, it would probably be I the love. same answer, yeah. but I would think that I was giving you a different answer because I wouldn't remember having answered it the first time. My brain is like Swiss cheese right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, your favorite song on Sgt. Pepper? Oh, Jesus. Um... She's leaving home. Ooh, okay, okay, okay. Um, favorite Sergeant Pepper mustache? Who's got the best one? <laughs> mm. I think I'd have to say George's. He's got kind of like the jawworm thing yeah, going, huh? Yeah, he's got a little downturn. It's, it's like, I remember the girl in my first beard at 23. Yeah. It was kind of patchy and shitty. Yeah. <laughs> This wasn't on, you know, an album that sold 40 billion copies. <laughs> um, what's your favorite thing recently that's gotten better? Mm. My favorite thing recently that's gotten better. Um, my attitude. Mm. I like that. Yeah. That's a good one to claim. Yeah. Just feeling better about things in general. Good. That makes me happy to hear. Yeah. Um, the best place to be when you've accidentally taken psychedelics. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> the best place to be when I've accidentally taken psychedelics or the best place to accidentally be when I've taken psychedelics? The best place mm. you've ever taken psychedelics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. That's, that's actually an easy one. Um, <laughs> uh, that would be the night that Jerry Garcia died. I went to the field at Bethel, New York, before it was the Bethel Arts Center that it is now. It was still just a cow pasture. Mm-hmm. Um, and it still belonged to Max Yasger's family. A bunch of people showed up out there in the middle, of it, like as the sun went down, and built a bunch of campfires and sat underneath a blanket of stars under a moonless sky and watched a an unscheduled meteor shower in the field at 
Bethel. Ripping balls. <laughs> that sounds pretty amazing. Pretty yeah, it's pretty yeah. great. You know, it, it's pretty great. I'm not a big Grateful Dead fan, um, but I can tell you exactly where I was and what I was doing when Jerry Garcia died, or when I found out, because it's really interesting. Oh, it's really weird. Uh, we were taking my sister to tour colleges. Mm-hmm. We were in Auburn, Alabama, touring Auburn. Roll Tide. We had stopped for lunch at a CC's Pizza. And I was getting pizza off of the buffet when the news thing said Jerry Garcia died. And I only knew kind of who he was because uh, my mom used to buy me the Jerry, Gar- Jerry Garcia neckties. Oh, yeah. That were a thing in the 90s. Yeah, you yeah. did all the painting, all yeah. the impressionist stuff. And so I knew, like, he was a musician. And I went to look at the news and I put my hand on the burner oh, and no. burned the shit out of my hand. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then had to go through the rest of the college tour day with my hand all bandaged and blistering on, like, an ice pack and stuff. And when yeah. you took the bandage off, did you see, like, a vision of Jerry Garcia mm-hmm. in the blistery yep. scar? <laughs> like, the way people see, like, yep. the, the Virgin Mary and the Toast. face of Christ on yep. like a piece of toast. Yep. So I have my Jerry Garcia blister hand now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So funny. Wow. Um, I, I hope they I hope they clean the pizza burner after They probably that. didn't. Susie's pizza is universally disgusting. I mean tomato sauce, who's who can tell? <laughs> tomato sauce, tomato sauce. Yeah, tomato sauce, tomato sauce. Flesh, tomato sauce. Yeah. <laughs> who can tell the difference? Mm. It's a buffet. What do you want? It's three ninety nine a person. Come on. Only man. your doctor knows for sure. <laughs> Uh, ultimately, the worst place to be when you've accidentally taken psychedelics. Oh. Uh, or the worst place you've taken psychedelics. Besides the CC's pizza. <laughs> besides the... Now, granted, I would be Burning the shit out of your hand. Like. Yeah. That sounds terrible. When they bring out that dessert pizza, it must be wild. Oh, goodness. That sounds just terrible. <laughs> I've actually been very careful with my ingestion of psychedelics. I've never taken it someplace and gone, God, I really wish I wasn't here right now. <laughs> um, but I've I've heard horror stories. Uh, the interview with uh, Mac Parker and Trey, Trey Parker and Matt Stone mm-hmm. from uh, South Park about how they took acid and then went to the, like the Oscars. VMAs or something? No, they went oh, to the geez. Oscars oh, in geez. drag. <laughs> and then had to sit there tripping balls watching Robin Williams sing Blame Canada with a kick line of female Canadian Mounties. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's... Oh, yeah. They did, a, they did a long interview about it, about how they were oh, sitting in goodness. the limousine for like two hours and then they step out into the red carpet and the transition between the limo and the red carpet, the flashing and the lights, and they they come out wearing the dresses that J-Lo and... <laughs> Um, right. oh, what's her name? Gwyneth Paltrow had worn to the Oscars the year before. Oh they God. had them remade. And they <laughs> stepped out wearing those Oscar dresses, tripping their balls off <laughs> with the lights flashing all around them. Yeah. And then had to go in there and sit for like three hours and watch the Oscar ceremony oh my gosh. in dresses while they were nominated. And the cameras kept coming to them. And they're like... I- Hi, hi, I'm at the I'm in a So that seems like the worst place. Yeah, yeah that sounds I can terrible. See that and they did awful. that shit on purpose. I don't yeah. know what they were thinking about. <laughs> oh, this yeah. will be fun. That's why Said nobody ever. I mean, oh my goodness. There's a genius. There's a certain amount of genius to that that I respect. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, it sounds like something the Beatles would have done, actually. <laughs> I know. Much. Let's take a bunch of acid and go to a thing where we're going to be the center of attention. Right. <laughs> In dresses. There is um, some footage. There is a, um, it was essentially a rave. Okay. I forget what it was called, uh, but it was like, it was like televised in early 67 mid 67 somewhere in there and john was like at home with his friend and he was like you want to go to this and they went and they took some acid on the way there and you see like black and white footage of like this rave going on and like there's john in like his big fluffy coat just like <laughs> yeah uh, just kind of looking around <laughs> at stuff you're like holy shit that's john lennon at a rave how cool it's so random yeah, yeah. Very, i mean imagine you being at a rave mm -hmm. and you turn around and there's arguably the most famous person in the world just hanging out yeah so and, who ha and then who you spend to the see next you on tv and went i, I want to go I'll, i got nothing to do and then you spend like the next hour trying to figure out if you're just tripping or if or that is actually that john is lennon? john lennon <laughs> is that john lennon is that guy in like, a fluffy coat who looks like john lennon because i'm tripping is that <laughs> okay wait <laughs> okay yep. wait come here look at this <laughs> is it i don't know and the next thing you find out is just ringo <laughs> That's and good. everybody just pretends it's John Lennon because they want to go along and oh, feel man. included. Or, of course, we're going to include Ringo. <laughs> of course, he can come out and dust off home plate. Or <laughs> well, Ringo's never come on the podcast now. No. Mm. Well, Debbie, this has been a pleasure. A I pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. This. What do you have going on? What's new? What's new? Anything you can pitch to the people? Anything I can pitch to the people. Well, Ringo's not pitching, so I guess it's my turn. Um, <laughs> Full circle. Uh, I'm going to be working on a ukulele record. Fun, okay. That is my new. Pro that is my new. Uh, my new recording project. Nice. Yeah, it's time. Fun. Yeah. You have a time frame for it? No. No. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, I'm going to be applying for a couple of grants, and um, yeah, the ukulele record is coming. So don't say you weren't warned. <laughs> I love it. Do love it. whatever precautionary measures you have to take in yeah. advance of that, such a thing. Pull up my happy pants. I'm going to get ready for it. I, yeah, I would suggest that everybody pull out their happy pants because whatever pants you're wearing are going to become your happy pants. Like it's a it. ukulele record. Yeah. Can't not be happy. Yeah. Listen you to can't, well, I don't know. I, I, I might test that theory. <laughs> I might come at you with a little bit of sad. A minor key version of Tiptoe tip Through the Tulips. Yeah. Yeah. You know, these are trying times we're living in. Maybe in like a alternate, like a weird time signature. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Give us the thing that nobody asked for. <laughs> Give the people what they, they don't, don't want. want. Yeah, like, isn't that what Gypsy Rose Lee said? Find out what your audience wants and then don't give it to them. I love that. <laughs> yeah. That's it's not amazing. wrong. Yeah. Well, that'll be awesome. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, everybody can keep up with all your adventures on social medias. Yes, on the social. I'm in Facebook jail right now. What'd you oh. do? <laughs> what did trouble. you do? Who'd you yell at? I suggested that perhaps uh, Ivana Trump did not die of a fall down a flight of stairs. You ain't the only one. Uh, from blunt trauma to her torso yeah. with yeah. no protective <clears throat> injuries to her hands or head in an apartment that she's lived in for 35 years. And then just happened to fall down a flight of marble curved stairs Whoops. with yeah. no head injury. Yeah. yeah. Seems sus. Yeah. Facebook didn't seem to think that was 
suitable dinner conversation or but I, I don't I didn't know we had company Facebook yeah. I, was, Nerds. I, didn't, I, I didn't know grandma had her friends over and I was gonna I'm sorry I'm sorry Graham well I don't uh, I I don't doubt that there's Lord no who fucking knows something Jesus afoot yeah I mean 1970s Soviet operative marries millionaire, acquires tons of real estate, divorces him with an NDA that can only be violated by a court order that she was about to honor in a financial investigation that would have told everything she knew about what happened between 1979 and 1995. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It can't I mean, get much worse. <laughs> if it, walking like ducks and talking like ducks. Yeah. What do you think it is? Yeah. Well, I don't know. When so you're I'm, back I'm, on in, Facebook. I'm in Facebook jail, but when I'm out of Facebook jail, you can keep up with me there. Yeah. Good, good, good. Well, this has been a pleasure. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for so having good to me see back. You. So good to have you. Friends, let us know what you think about getting better at 135. My way off base, too high, too low. Or, Julia. Just like baby bear's porridge. Woo! <laughs> I got it! Just right! She said it! Yes! <laughs> Only took 88 episodes, or 80, 81 episodes, 88 songs. Yes. <laughs> so happy. Uh, let us know what you think in the comments on Facebook at... Ranking the Beatles. Or on Twitter at... Ranking the Beatles. Uh, uh, no! I'm really out of you practice. Blew that one. Sorry. Ranking Beatles. Ranking Beatles. Okay, start over. Let us know what you think on Facebook at Ranking the Beatles. Or on Twitter at Ranking Beatles. Or on Instagram at Ranking the Beatles. That's right. And uh, feel free to tell a friend what we're doing over here. We hope you're enjoying it. We're certainly having fun. And if you are enjoying it, you can also check out our website, rankingthebeatles.com, where you can pick up your rank your own Beatles poster and rank your own damn Beatles, or you can grab you a t-shirt or a koozie, or a phone case. What? Or any kind of nonsense that we put our stuff on. Koozies? Yeah. Phone cases? Oh my! Where do I get them? <laughs> Rankingthebeatles.com <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's the commercial right there. <laughs> well, friends, we hope you've had a great time today. We certainly have. Uh, Debbie, thank you. We will thank do it you, again Jonathan. soon. Thank you, Julia. Love you, love and you. Now we can have real hugs. The first episode, there was no real hug. Yes, I know. Sad. <laughs> well, friends, we will see you next week with a brand new episode. Until then, until then, until then, <laughs> until then, I'm Jonathan. And I'm Julia. This has been Ranking the Beatles. Adios. Bye, y'all.